our confession time, I would invite you to turn to your uh, Grace Altar hymnals to page 976, as uh, we will just uh, go through the prep for the uh, Lord's Supper, which will be celebrated here next Sunday. And uh, this is not on the overhead, and so we'll follow along on page 976. As we prepare to celebrate Holy Communion, let us celebrate, let us remember that Scripture calls us to examine, it, examine ourselves before God. We are taught that eating and drinking unworthily brings judgment upon ourselves, so let us therefore ask God for the proper spirit in which to celebrate the sacrament. Almighty God, before whom can be neither secret thought nor hidden deed, grant us your spirit that we may know our hearts, our lives, and our inmost thoughts as you know them. Grant us your grace that we may repent sincerely of all sin, find peace with you through our Lord Jesus Christ, and grow in assurance of salvation in him. May the celebration of our Savior's infinite love in his redeeming death bring joy to us and glory to you. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the atoning power of our Savior's death and for our share in his victory over sin. Open our hearts as we prepare for this celebration, that it may strengthen us in our faith, establish us in our hope, and confirm us in our love. In his name, amen. Brothers and sisters, let us first examine our faith. We all confess the truth of God as taught by Scripture and summarized in the creeds of the church. By this faith, we take to ourselves Christ and all his benefits so that for us to live is Christ. Lord God, author and finisher of all true believing, confirm our faith as we prepare for the Holy Sacrament. Let us further examine our hope. All Christian hope rests upon the finished work of Christ as Savior. The Holy Gospel teaches that all our righteousness is in Him alone. God's children rely wholly upon the merits of Christ, find in Him their strength and victory, and confidently expect His return in glory. They look forward to celebrating this Holy Supper anew with Him in the kingdom. They will surely be received by God at His table. also examine our love, both for God and our neighbors. Remember the great and first commandment, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let us consciously determine to live a life of loving service to Him through Christ our Lord. Let us also search ourselves to determine whether we love our neighbors as Christ commands. Do we unselfishly live for the welfare of others? Do our lives reflect the godly virtues of obedience, fidelity, integrity, justice, humility, and contentment? Do we seek reconciliation with our neighbors in all cases of offense? If these marks of spiritual life are not evident in us, we may not presume to approach his table. Those, therefore, who live in self-righteousness, who hope in works or virtues of their own, 
and who do not show love to God and neighbor have no true place at the Lord's Supper. Yet we should not be deterred by any sin lingering within against our will. As we find faith, hope, and love within us, we ought gladly to obey our Lord's command and come with full expectation to God's open house of mercy. sing together blessed assurance as it's on the screen. get all the uh, children to come forward for a children's story.
Everybody can come down. Come on down. You guys can sit on the bench here beside Pastor Rick. You bet. Snuggle up. Just enough room for everybody there. Well, good morning to you all. I want you to help me with something. I want you to think about something that we sometimes say to ourselves. We often say, if only I knew. Can you say that? If only I knew. Say that loud. If only I knew. Good. Sometimes we say that because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. We're sometimes a little bit scared of the future or something that we're going to do. My, my wife was working at the Circle of Friends a while back, and she served the meal and cleaned up, and afterwards, a lady came up to her and said, thank you so much for the meal. She was very, very thankful. And then she said, that was the first meal I've had with meat in a long, long time. My wife didn't know that. If only she knew the impact that she had and that circle of friends had on that person, she might have done it sooner. She might have done it more often. We don't always know what's going to happen. Also, my kids, my two older ones, they went on the Mexico mission trip a few years ago, and they were a little bit scared. They didn't know if they should go. There was actually some, um, some fighting in the area in Mexico where they go, and they were a little uncer uncertain if they were going to be safe. But they decided to go anyways, and the group from Bethel went, and boy, did they have a great time. If only they knew. Also, Sometimes we go to school, we change grades, we or change teachers, and we don't know how it's going to go. We'd like to know maybe how our school's going to go. We'd like to know the teacher ahead of time, but we don't. If only we knew, that would be so nice. But you know what? God knows, right? We don't have to worry about that. We can say all we want, if only I knew, but we know that God knows. He knows what kind of impact we'll have. And sometimes we just have to trust in God. We might want to know ahead of time, but we know that God knows. Would you guys fold your hands and pray with me? Father in heaven, we often, as people say, if only I knew, we tend to be a bit selfish, and we want to know ahead of time, and we want to kind of know the outcome before it happens. But if we only trust in you, we know that you will have an impact. You will help us through tough times. You will help us uh, to overcome our fears. You will help us to have the impact that you want us to have because we are your hands and feet at work. Here in Lacombe, here at our schools, wherever we go, uh, we will... We will be your instruments to do the work that you've called us to do. Help us to trust in you. Forgive us our many sins and shortcomings. In your name we pray. Amen. I have a little snack for you guys. Help yourself grab one of those.
Okay, all the preschool kids can now go down for Sunday school. Have a fantastic day. Oh, just grab one of those, okay? Maybe pass those to your brother. Perfect. All right, you can go back. You can go to Sunday school if you're in preschool. That was an excellent introduction to uh, this message, Terry. Thanks. And uh, the preparatory, it's amazing how things fit, but uh, uh, Welsh is uh, back. If you look in their history, they designed their business so that they could provide alternative to wine for communion. And uh, I know that's a whole story in itself, but uh, I thought that's interesting that that's what Terry's handing out. Sure glad I got one because whoever the kid was next to me says, you don't get one unless... Unless there's enough. <laughs> Turn with me to First Peter. We're going to read First uh, Peter together. Uh, first, want to say a few things, or just hold it on your lap. Um, if only I knew is the title of the message, and of course, I'm going to talk in, in in the concept of of neighborhood because of the ministry that that I do. And maybe not all of you are familiar with that. Um, I did throw a few. Uh, updated uh, newsletters on the uh, table downstairs where the council meets, um, and I can email them to you if you want, but uh, it's all full of the stories that I think um, I'll only tell a couple here for myself as, as I just dive into my neighborhood and, and find out that I say, if only I knew, because there's great fear and trepidation in, in being a witness amongst the people that live right next to you, in opposed to somebody who lives elsewhere, and they don't know where you live. <laughs> And uh, there's risk, uh, but there's also great payoff, if I can use business terms. Um, so I've been at this ministry since uh, December 1st when I resigned from Woodinook. And, and through this, um, I would say there's a couple days where, uh, just two, just to be really clear, where I, where I kind of caved in and I said to my wife, I'm going, oh, what are we doing? And uh, she says, uh, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> she she didn't say that, but sometimes I feel like she should. Um, but at the same time, I'm always lifted at the right times. And uh, those times come when I perhaps proclaim something like, if only I knew. Or maybe I'm redefining miracles when I come back to my wife excited and I say, I can't believe that happened, or I can't believe she said that, in terms of being a witness in the kingdom of God to our neighbors. Now, I am... Um, I'm uh, in disbelief sometimes, not because there's huge things, but because there's enough just to keep moving forward in light of God, you know, ushering those who, who, who witness, because we're always kind of wondering how it would turn out when we witness or when we talk or when we engage in people's lives, um, where God is taking us. Um, but when we go down that road, uh, there's little, little signposts. And I, I have a few um, that I just want to share, and I'll start with one because I actually uh, have, through the summer months, um, been trying to do a couple of block parties in our neighborhood because that's a staple of just getting neighbors together, and we have a wonderful green space. But when I put the sign up on, on the Sunday morning, just to let everybody know that we're having a potluck and we're going to do some birdhouse building and, and anything 
uh, else that we wanted to put on the sign. When I put that sign up, which of course I'm thinking this is going to be a great day, I am surprised by God again. Now it was Sunday morning, I got to go to church at, at 10, right? And it's 8 o'clock. But as I walk up and down our, our roadway, I, I get a, a sense of who people are. And as I pray and keep my eyes open uh, with the eyes of God, I begin the, to, to see things. And now when I put up the sign, I see John, who's just this 34-year-old um, married guy who, who uh, just moved in three years ago. And he is um, trimming up some bushes. And uh, when I seen him, I thought, well, I've got to get ready and, and grab a coffee, get ready for church. But as I went forward, in, in a little bit of fear, I must say, as well as anxiety, because, well, if I talk to John, you know, I talk a lot, and, and maybe it would just take too long, and I'd end up being late for church. You know, all that stuff. So as I went down the road, I, I thought, well, it is odd that John is working on Sunday morning, because not that it was Sunday, because he doesn't believe but it's the fact that he usually is trucking, and he usually starts four in the morning. And So anyways, I went up, and, and I asked John, I go, how you doing? And within 30 seconds, he's got this big tear rolling down his eye because his mother had just passed away from cancer, and he flew in uh, from Nova Scotia uh, from the funeral just a couple days ago. Now, of course, this opens up a big window for us to give the hope that we read here in First Peter. But what am I going to do with that situation? Especially because I've only got 20 minutes because I've got to go to church. Well, these are some of the experiences that I've been digging in. And without telling you how it ends, I just want to let you know that there is something that Peter is asking us to do in the context of life and where we live, the proximity of where we're at, that can make us say, Oh, if only I knew but we have to inch down that road. And then there was a big signpost, and some of you may have seen this. I was reminded again by one of your council members. McLean's Magazine. I could not believe it. I was at a garage sale while I was on holidays, and there's a lady sitting there who was running the garage sale with the uh, McLean's Magazine. And it said on there, stop ignoring your neighbors. I couldn't believe that some of these things come out you know I, I i talk to people and i say is this just a syndrome of i'm buying this car and now i see everybody else owns one but i i really do believe that there is a great ministry to be had right where we live and as we look at one peter we can see the history of where peter is at and what he's writing to who he's writing to and how he's writing to that supports the whole concept of being a shining light right where you live without leaving that place. The reason I say that is because right in the introduction, which is not part of our text, Peter says to God's elect strangers in the world scattered throughout. This isn't a congregation that we had expected Peter to have, to grow. This is a true missionary post in a world that's under the reign of Nero, who is a disastrous leader. This is in today's Turkey where all Peter's parishioners live. They're not gathering like this. They're people who are out there, chosen, because they're the ones who have the hope that we read about and the love that's unconditional from Jesus Christ to share to others who are around them. They're the ones who are scattered, which is evident by where they are live, living, as Peter lists, which is today's Turkey. 
And they are strangers, which gives a really good indication as to how they would feel. And Peter's affirming that because often we surround ourselves by the people that maybe make us feel totally opposite of the stranger mentality. But under that introduction, there is no denying that Peter is addressing a congregation that doesn't collectively come together but is scattered and littered throughout the countryside as chosen agents to spread the good news and to engage in the lives of those that live around them in order for them to have the hope of Jesus Christ. And this is what we read in 1 Peter. Chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. And like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they are destined for. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We can uh, continue to read, but I want to uh, just stop there and pray, and then I'll continue with the message. Heavenly Father, as we delight in your word, we look as one of your disciples to have you breathe life into us. 
breathe imagination into us so that we can find uh, the ways in which we can overcome fear, trembling, or misunderstanding and see your word as one that's uh, a delight for us and that uh, could be for others and should be for others. Lord, may you teach us, as you did to your disciples, to, to move forward in ways in which we can be exemplary Christians and, and for us to then uh, be able to see how you can teach us uh, without having to rehearse the words, oh, if I only knew. Lord, we ask that you may again shed a light onto our path and onto your word for us to have our eyes open and to uh, live life in, in faith in you. In Jesus, your son's name we pray. Amen. Kind of a mid-sermon reading.